0: This is a Charles Ruttenberg Realty podcast from Gulf Coast to Space Coast. This podcast is sponsored by Integrity Title and Guarantee Agency LLC, where
1: integrity is guaranteed. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Mike Webb, and coming to you from the Charles Ruttenberg Studios in beautiful Clearwater, Florida, for part two of Pinellas County Property Appraiser Mike Twitty. Uh, a question I get a, from a lot of agents they'll call here and um, Hey, I'm trying to find this property, I can't find it anywhere, it's not in public records. I'm familiar with the statute. I know you know it, Florida Statute 119. Is there anything, any advice you could give agents out there? Tell them what it is, and if there's a workaround. I don't think there is, but you you please uh, shed some light on that. Yes,
0: it's an exemption from public records, meaning those people are effectively have their, their address protected from public records. So if you... Know that address, or you're working with, say, a property owner that does have a protected address. They might be a judge, a state attorney, or right. There's a law, enforcement. law enforcement. There's a long list of people that are able to qualify for that, and it gives them that protected status uh, from that disclosure. What what you can do if you're working with that directly with that property owner, and you feel you have a, a right or you have a true need for that. What you need to do right now is just go on our website. We have a spot where you can go on there and pull down a form that needs to be notarized um, by the by that property owner, and just authorizes you to receive the, um, oh, the wow. property I information. I
1: thought the actual property owner would have to do that, but they can authorize you as the agent to do that on their behalf.
0: Yes, they could exactly. You you uh, just um, put on there who the information is to be released to. We can release it in person over by email. So that's a great thing to to handle early on, especially if you're listing that property. obviously you're going to need access right. to that. so you might want to have that form handy and even have it you know handy with your listing packages.
1: I'll have a file of them uh, by the time the day's over uh, I'll It's, a, it's a quick
0: you know one pager and 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 you can knock it out now there there is some things going uh, related to that in the legislature now. I don't know if it's going to make it across the finish line, but they are trying to change some of the way uh, 119 is structured for protected address, but the sheriffs aren't, uh, too keen on it. So I'm not sure it's going to make it.
1: Okay. Well, uh, good information, good stuff for agents to sink their teeth into out there. Um, talk a little bit about this, uh, non ad valorem stuff. We see, um, CDDs and some of this pace stuff that, that winds up and people don't even know they have it. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well,
0: I'm not a fan of pace. Um, I, I look at, I look at PACE as having some-
1: Will you elaborate on PACE a little bit so some of the listeners don't know what it is? Yeah.
0: PACE is Property Assessed Clean Energy is, is what the acronym stands for. And it is a loan program that effectively moves you into super majority position in front of any first or second mortgages you may have on a property. So- they're literally leapfrogging into first position ahead of any other debt you may have on that real estate. And it attaches as a non ad valorem, which means not according to value. Your ad valors mean according to value. That's, you know, the, the, when we send out the trim notice, you'll see two different things. You'll see the ad valorem that's based on value. The non ad is a special assessment district. And that's what this is riding on. And, in my opinion, I don't think it's rightly done because I've always looked at non-ads as it's supposed to be consistent within a district, not for one single property.
1: So if I'm I'm just a simple layperson here and I'm trying to wrap my head around this paste thing. So uh, somebody shows up to my house selling me solar panels and mm-hmm. I decide I'm going to buy these solar panels. Not knocking on any solar panel salespeople sure. out there. They're, they're wonderful things. But um, so I finance it through this PACE thing, and then it goes on my tax bill for and ahead of my mortgage and, and a lien and everything, correct?
0: Correct. And then it becomes a lien on your property.
1: I think that uh, agents really need to be looking at that and making sure that they understand that with their clients as well that if they have this on their tax bill, it's not going away. They might not even be able to sell their property. Uh, once a, a potential buyer finds out about that, correct?
0: Yes, and usually they need to be paid off because the next lender coming in does not want a loan with that lien in place. Nobody likes having, a, you know, nobody likes to make a first mortgage that when they're actually going to be a second in right. second place. That's
1: right. We advise them never take a a, a second mortgage. Uh, you, you know, because if you don't pay the second mortgage and, and you're continuing to pay the first one. Uh, you're pretty good, so we'll we'll move off of that a little bit. Into you have any? Um, <laughs> I know it's just uh, the end of the first quarter, but you have any ideas what uh, how the end of this year? And that, so so if I'm correct here, January one is is what the property was valued at is going to be for the year. So I think some people are going to get the benefit this year mm-hmm. uh, of a rapidly increasing market. Any thoughts on where you see this thing ending up in the?
0: Yeah, um, obviously we had a more robust residential market throughout, um, 2020 under, under COVID-19 than we anticipated. So that is, is going to help in making up some of the losses on the commercial side. Um, but overall we're not seeing as deep of impacts as we originally thought we might see, you know, last April. Right. Um, Right. Market wide in the County right now, we're seeing, um, growth in single family year over year median price change of about 11% for residential on average Um, depending on the jurisdiction and the, and the area that's probably in a five to a 13% range um, roughly depending on where you are, where in a hotter area, you're going to see a bigger number and, and then taxable value growth in those areas will be a function of how much activity happens there because then you get those cap resets and and you you know you won't have the save our home cap in place for that property anymore it will reset back to market value.
1: That's right, you know, with all these people moving in from out of state, they're not getting those caps, are we? So we're creating more revenue for the the coffers for the county. Um, that's great. Hey, I'm sitting down so I'm going to ask this question. What is the total overall value of your tax roll? in this county. What was it for last year? It's, um, last year was like 90s, right around 96 billion. That's incredible. That's who would think little old Pinellas County is $96 billion worth of real estate. That's phenomenal. Oh, exciting stuff. Um, are you seeing any new trends that you could identify that might help uh, uh, the realtors that, that for the COVID land rush here? Uh, you seeing any different building types? Anything hotter than others, or anything you might see there that uh, uh, we, um, we might not know of?
0: Right, not so much in the residential side. You know, I've been watching the commercial closer because of the COVID nineteen impacts, and you know, obviously we know hotels, restaurants, bars. Um, You know, anything hospitality or entertainment related our um, non-anchored retail, especially, you know, smaller strip retail, um, more, more local office that's multi-tenant. We've got concerns about a lot of those property types and how they may repurpose. Some may repurpose um, some, some may um, literally get, get wiped out and redeveloped. We're seeing that more with some bigger retail, you know, some malls in some other market areas outside of our county where they're coming in and taking down, you know, half of a mall and right. re- rebuilding it as a power center at half, you know, half of what it was and making the rest of the, you know, redeveloping the rest of the land as mixed use, um, putting a bunch of housing in and, and mixing in some local retail with We're it.
1: Going to have to get creative, yes, aren't they? Absolutely. To find a way. What about, um, do you have any insight on on office space? Uh, you know, I, I saw a study that said uh, in one particular uh, downtown area that only about a third of the people had wind up going back working full time from their office. I heard, saw that last month because of this forced experiment we had from right. working from home.
0: Yeah. I, it's funny. With office space, I've read studies that go both directions. Um, really? Yeah. You know, some, some will say, oh, we're not going to need this much office space. And then I'll read another one that says, Oh, we're actually going to need just as much, if not more, because now they're going to increase the amount of space required per employee.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, that, that for, makes sense from a
0: distancing standpoint. Um, I'm not sure I buy into that in the long run. It, it all depends on how a lot of things shake out. You know, I think it's still t- the the you know jury's still out on that as far as what's ultimately going to happen. And I think you're going to see different reactions in different market areas, depending on how close closely you may be, they may be to overbuilt with office
1: space. I guess I could look at you and I right now. We're eight feet apart. and We're being COVID safe uh, right. in the Charles Ruttenberg studios. Um, all right. Another question I get sometimes is uh, an agent will call and, and say, hey, uh, you know, you told me to go to the property appraiser site. Their Their square footage is not syncing up with what my seller says here. What would somebody do in that case?
0: Call us up. Um, we will, we're happy to come out and, and review the property. We'll remeasure. Um, a lot of times, in fact, I had one yesterday. I I get these types of requests all the time An enclosed porch wasn't included in the base square footage for the living area. And it, it always conveniently happens when they're listing
1: the property never before, (laughs) but that's fine. You know? Do you ever go back in any instances and go back and try to pull photos and see if they yeah. had more square footage and they should have been taxed at a different, um,
0: um, rarely. Okay. We, 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 you know, we try to catch it as, as we go, you know, as properties transact. And obviously we have a lot more, um, insight into what properties look like now than we right. used to in the old days. Literally, we only saw the outside. Now there's a lot of photos online. That's right. We get a better, better, um, um, perspective of, of what's gone on in the inside Um, that allow us to clean up a lot of our records going forward. But we encourage, um, you know, reaching out and we'll have that as a new tool on the website too. When you're on a parcel, you'll be able to make a, a a request, a property review, and it'll be a button right on one of the tools. So it'll, it'll immediately create a form that has the parcel ID in it already. And just shoot us a note, and we'll reach out to you. So if we need to make a correction, you know, a square footage thing, a, um, a space designation, you know, a, an area that we might have had as unfinished and now it's finished. Those types of things will we'll, um,
1: that's, we that's, want to encourage that communication. Great. That website's just going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a tool for everybody. Do you see this brought me to a, a, an unrelated question? You see ever uh, employing any drone technology? Would that help you at all? Any services by the drone?
0: Yeah, we've um, we've e- explored that a little bit. Mostly, mostly with damage assessment. Uh, one of our duties as property appraiser in our county is working with emergency management on damage assessment duties post storm events. So, I came into office in 2017, and then here comes Hurricane Irma, and I thought, "Oh my God, I'm not even going to have a county to well, welcome anymore. to office." Right.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting. But,
0: um, So what we did, we, what we didn't want to do was create a drone, a silo within the county. um, You know, essentially a a division, just maintaining drones that weren't flying all the time. So we reached out to, um, we contracted with three different vendors that we can countywide, all of us, all the various departments throughout, throughout county government can tap them, whether it's the, the sheriff, the, board of county commissioners, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter which, which um, agency or organization we can reach out to them. We already have um, pricing in place and we can call them out literally for, you know, for flights on different things that we, we don't have to maintain the technology um, and the and, licenses and all that, that the
1: pilots need. Yeah. That makes great sense. So when right. you need them, they're there.
0: Exactly. So
1: <laughs> one of the big spots
0: that I've always been worried about is the barrier islands. So, and drones are a perfect deployment out there for emergency management, yeah so
1: might not even be able to get there and exactly really the able. bridges
0: are closed, the sheriffs will usually have those shut down, and so you can deploy the drones from boats or you know from larger vehicles that that you are able to get out there, and you can flight plan them to literally fly all those all those streets right after a storm event
1: fantastic um, switching gears again. What about ownership changes? I understand that uh, probably when there's a a deed that gets – yeah, let's walk us through that process. A deed gets recorded at the clerk. uh, You you get notified of it somehow. That's one part of it. And then the other aspect would be um, what about when – uh, somebody's just quit claiming. I, I, I decide, me and my brother, he wants off or he wants on. Is that something we would do through your all? I, I know you can't prepare them or anything like that, but we, could we come and bring that right to you or where would we do that? And then I'm going to follow it up with some more, too. Wills and trusts. Um, I think some people have run into issues on trusts where they were doing some estate planning and I think they used the term they trusted themselves right out of um, their homestead exemption. Unfortunately,
0: that happens. Um, From time to time, we try to um, we try to help people with that a lot. Um, I'll start kind of with the back end of that question and then work forward if that's okay. Sure. Um, We do have in-house counsel in in our office that that literally deals with trust all the time. So we heavily encourage if somebody is does have a homestead, wants to move it into a land trust um, to push that have the attorney push that language over to our in-house counsel and just get it over to our office that everybody knows who to get it to. And he will review it to make sure the language is is appropriate so that it won't trigger a reset of, of somebody's cap.
1: And I know you have more to elaborate on that, but let's just say they already did the little mistake. Right. And they didn't contact your in-house counsel first. Is there any way they can recover it back? Or once that cap is gone, it's gone. Um, if they haven't crossed to January
0: one. There's okay. there's a potential to unwind it. Okay. So we've even been proactive on that, looking at people that some people put their their homestead into an LLC, and we try to we do, we have a query that we built that we run now um, each month, and our in-house attorney goes through that to see which ones think need to be reached out to that may have done it in error, so that we. And especially as long as we have a little runway, if they do it right at year end, there's not a whole lot we can do about it, but we try, we've been reaching out and, um, alerting people. And a lot of people have said that that was not their intent and they, they unwind it.
1: Right. Well, that's fantastic service to, uh, to the public that you actually have in house counsel trying to catch that for them, be proactive and, and save their homestead. Um,
0: well, getting back to the rest of the, of your question that you started off. So in any um, deeds need to be filed through the clerk. We we are not, even though we do have in-house counsel, we're not allowed to provide true legal advice. We can tell when people submit things, we can say whether it's going to pass muster via state law with our office or not. Um, but we can't literally tell you how to do it.
1: Um, That's the same as us. We can't practice law. More right. More. Exactly.
0: Uh, but everything needs to be recorded through the clerk. Just keep in mind that just because it's recorded with the clerk doesn't mean that 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 is perfect legal title. We get things all the time that are you know missing a a witness. Um, you know, there's a lot of er- errors on deeds. Yeah, bad legal descriptions. Yeah. That bad um, deed letter goes out quite frequently, doesn't it? Yes, we send a we send a lot of correspondence out, make a lot of calls, and and send a lot of emails trying to help people unwind those and get corrective deeds in place so that we can try to, you know, try to help with the title chain as much as we can, even though that's not technically our, our duty either.
1: People go to uh, Office Depot and Staples yes. and they prepare their own deed. And uh, lo and behold, they're the uh, the, the, the wrong side. They're uh, conveying it the wrong way. It happens all the time. Um, my understanding and or I've been told is that Pinellas County is the most densely populated uh county and the state because of our size and location. Mm-hmm. Um, what about greenbelt or ag exemptions do I, I was with that? We probably don't have a lot of land to have that on, but how's that work?
0: Yeah, we have, we have less than a hundred at this point. Really? And they're mostly nurseries.
1: Uh, okay. Like Tree that. farms and stuff. Correct. People? Okay. So if that was something, uh, is, is that an exemption or if they're doing that, what do, what do they need to do? Yeah, to?
0: technically got uh, what, what's called a uh, classification as a, as opposed to an exemption, um, so what it does is it it basically green belts the land um, at and keeps it at an it's it's a value in use as opposed to its highest and best use. Okay, so think about you know, you're you're valuing the right. land for ag purposes instead of valuing it for. A condominium.
1: We might be picking your brain on this one for somebody buying in other counties because we just don't have the uh, the dirt to have. We, we probably,
0: ha- if you go into almost every other county in state, ag is a big deal. Yeah, um, Pinellas it is not.
1: Um, very good. So I want to wrap this with uh, something we were talking about uh, before we started, and uh, tell us a little bit about the new legislation that you're, you're 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 working on, if you can. I don't know if that's something you can let out of the bag yet or not.
0: Yes, it's, um, it's already made it through a um, uh, first committee stop in both the House and the Senate um, uh, up in Tallahassee. Um, I'm ex- really excited about this one, put a lot of thought into this one over the last year. But I really saw, you know, the issue that we have in Pinellas County. We've got 50% of our tax tax base is sitting within the special flood hazard areas. That's everything that's in a A or a V flood zone. So in harm's way things that really need to be elevated above what they call base flood elevation. So, and a lot of those properties are, you know, as you would suspect fifties to seventies, vintage properties sitting, right. you know, ranch homes sitting at grade. Well, what we're seeing is a lot of people are buying those homes, but then flirting the rules with the 50% FEMA rule, right? They always do reinvesting back into those homes, which are in harm's way which ultimately usually it, that value does not add to the tax roll it really doesn't pro you know extend the life of the home of the main bones of that home doesn't really extend the, the the economic life of that home too much so ultimately we've got a lot of value rolled up still in harm's way so i started thinking about a way to incentivize those that are that are within the special flood hazard areas when they're making that decision because i've talked to a lot of property owners that have thought, you know, weighed that out. And they say, you know, I'd really like to go ahead and either lift this home. And you've probably seen some of these, especially in the Shore Acres area, they've literally jacked up existing um, old ranch homes, or they want to knock it down, build to new new, um, building code and be FEMA compliant. However, they're worried about the new construction tax consequences because they're going to get treated as new construction. And for the whole structure, not just, what they you know, if it's the sixteen hundred square feet they are living in and they're gonna rebuild sixteen hundred square feet. Well now they've got a sixteen hundred square foot garage underneath or or open space and that's gonna be additional taxable value. So I thought, you know, let's incentivize them. We really need to it, it does multiple things. It gets it gets people out of harm's way, it gets value out of harm's way, it 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 puts new construction on the roll that ultimately we will come back to the jurisdictions as more taxable value. Cause now you have, you have resilient structures that'll last the next 75 to a hundred years instead of things that are down to the last 20 or 30 years of their life. And in doing so, this uh, legislation would allow you, it taps a portion of what we call the calamity provision. So if somebody right now is destroyed by a flood fire and it can, substantial damage and wipes out that property and you need to rebuild it, you can rebuild and keep your assessed value cap in place up to 110% of that total square footage. Wow. So I said, let's tap that do the same thing because they consider if you're in a special flood hazard area, you're looked at as a calamity on the come. So let's right. be, let's be forward thinking on this and be proactive rather than reactive, have to rely on government grants and, you know, um, worry about mitigation dollars coming from the state or the counties. This is a way for um, local local jurisdictions to effectively invest in these properties without even having to write a check.
1: Right, just... we're,
0: we're able to give them keep their cap in place. Let them let them rebuild above base flood. Um, don't count the garage square footage below against them in the 110 percent calculation, and keep that assessed cap in place. And then if they build over the 110%, then that goes on as new construction. So if you replace a 1500 square foot house with a 3000 square foot house, then yes, you're, you're going to get treated um, over the 110% of 1500. You're going to pay new construction on that.
1: Right. I just see that as a win-win. I don't see a drawback to to any party there.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been well received. We, we have had to make some fine tuning to it. So, it looks like we're going to put a 3,000-square-foot cap on it as the max benefit that you could. So if you have a if you have a 3,000-square-foot house, that would be the most you could
1: Add replace. On, right. okay. If
0: it was a 5,000-square-foot house, you're still going to get capped at the 3,000. You're going to
1: get capped at 3,000. Hey, that's a whole lot better than uh, paying the, for the full amount. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, give us any final thoughts, any closing thoughts you have, anything you want to share with our, our agents out there.
0: I would just say, you know, um, use our
1: website, use
0: the tax estimator. It's a, it's a great tool. Um, we get over 10,000 10, runs of that every month, which is a lot more than the sales activity within the county. So I know it's getting used. It's a great tool um, so that people know what they're going to be facing after they cross the first January one of their ownership as a new buyer so that they don't get that, you know, that, that nasty escrow letter. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and then they, that's what happened when I first came into office, they were coming into my office with a crumpled up escrow letter in, in their hand with tears in their eyes. And w- with the value movement we've had, you know, their, their tax bill from a, buying from a longtime homesteader could double, triple, even quadruple. And that can be a, a real sticker shock. So, We found the agents I've talked to that use it religiously say that it's been great for them, takes the liability off them, takes the pressure off them to estimate anything. It's all on us. And again, it's still an estimate, but you're going to get in the ballpark. And and while they may have a little sticker shock for 24 hours when you first introduce it to them, once they understand, wait, this is the way it works in Florida, I got to endure this cap reset just like everybody else. And um, they seem to come to grips with it or they adjust they adjust you know where their where their price point is
1: where their price point is and, and you know we'd all rather hear that up front when there's a bill coming due I'd rather know about it now than after it's coming due so, absolutely um listen I really want to thank you uh, for coming today sharing some great information. Um, I want to t- thank integrity title and guarantee our sponsor tell everybody to uh, come back and, Listen to the podcast next week. Thanks and signing out.
0: Thanks for thanks for having me.